this episode, we are having a conversation with Sharon Lang about animal connection. So great to see you and yeah, hear you. Too. <laughs> We're on Zoom. <laughs> yes. So we can actually see each other. Yes. It's really lovely. Yes. So Sharon, do you want to uh, tell us a little bit about what your background is with animals and connection? Absolutely. I have always loved animals. I think animals and music are my two main passions in my life. And ever since I was a little girl, I just have always been drawn to animals. If we were at gatherings, that's where I would be, sitting on the floor with the dog or <laughs> the cat. <laughs> and it's just gone from there in my life. I think I've had probably 15 different kinds of animals in my life over, over many, many years. And horses in particular have been my passion and mm. continue to be. And so I just continue to learn and expand my knowledge through experience. And they just, they're such amazing teachers, animals. I just love spending time with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is why I was, yeah, when I'm so excited to um, have you on here, Sharon, because one of the things that I can really feel about you is how much, I mean, I think you've studied and learned a lot, but just how much when I'm around you, I learn just through your experience like I can feel how much time you've spent in the experience of relating with animals and how much you're learning is through, yeah. is through them like through your relationship with them oh yeah they're such mirrors they're such teachers and I think um I think that that ability to just watch animals and spend time not trying to do anything with them specifically, but just watching them interact with each other and their world just teaches you so much about what motivates them and, and what you can do to engage with them in a way that is positive for them. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I love that really observant part of being with animals. Yeah, I'd like to know more about the mirror aspect of that like what are you what are you seeing there with animals well particularly with horses because they're a prey animal they um they sense when we're out of balance emotionally and that's why people use them as behavioral therapy animals and emotional therapy animals is because they really reflect whatever your inner state is in a very big obvious way so if you're if you're feeling really grounded, um, they, they are much more open to having you work with them. Whereas if you might think you're grounded, but you walk up to a horse and, and you're not, for whatever reason, often they will turn away from you. And sometimes dramatically so. I've had uh, a rescue pony that would run to the other side of the paddock if I came up there and I was not grounded. Mm -hmm. He was gone. <laughs> Yeah, they physically show you how you're feeling, uh -huh. which is brilliant, I think. I uh -huh. love it. So yeah. so when that happens, what is your tech? Like how, how, so then I get this feeling like this has become your practice for grounding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It has. And so yeah. how do you find that in those moments? Do you actually explore what it is that's happening inside of yes. you? Do you have ways that you yes. find your way back? Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because that's the only way you can continue to work with that animal is if you find that 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 center again. Mm -hmm. So they're great teachers for grounding and breathing and and just emotional calmness and stability. Like they just they ask it of you. Mm -hmm. And and if you can do it, then they give it back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then they give it back. It's like I I see that it's like this beautiful reciprocity almost like this. And then this or co-regulation would be the word we'd use in the somatic world is like, yes, you, you, you start to help each other find the ground because of that mirroring back and forth. Yeah. I think that's why people say animals are so healing Mm -hmm. and, and they are just because they, they really show you where you're at and what you need to work on. So if, I mean, for me, I've, been intimidated by horses for most of my life. <laughs> like so, a lot of people. <laughs> so, so is that because I'm nervous about what I'm not looking at in myself? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they're just so big and uh, well, they are big. <laughs> I think that is intimidating. Um, until you kind of look them in the eyes and mm-hmm. see that they're often just as scared as you are. Mm-hmm. And kind of, and then you go, oh, oh, okay, we're actually in this together. And then you can work together to calm yourself down. Right. Um, right. Yeah, I, I think that's very common. People, people get very afraid of horses, mm-hmm. and uh, they really—they're not that scary when you take the time to just calmly and slowly approach them and and see what they're all about. Uh, they really want to connect. They want to. Uh huh. That's the. I remember the first time I really took a horse in, and it's funny that I remember this moment because it's like I was walking down this gravel yeah. gravel road, and uh, this horse came over, and I go over to the horse, and I remember just this like I said out loud like whoa, <laughs> because it's like the the level of presence, and almost like I felt like this this its energy field was so big. Like I just felt this energy field was so big and the immensity of how much it's like I had to be willing to allow my energy to, to be brought into that. It felt like, um, and to surrender to it. And it was like, I was staring into the universe or something. Yeah. (laughs) They're quite incredible. Yeah. (laughs) Some of them have such huge energy fields. I, um, I work with horses feet and I've done that for quite a long time. And I have one horse in particular who her energy field is so huge that it's it's almost impossible for her to let somebody other than her main person into her physical body space. Mm-hmm. And I have to be so careful and so respectful mm-hmm. to just ever so lightly kind of put my body close to hers and work with her and touch her as little as I possibly can just so that she can stay comfortable. And if I do that, she's amazing. Mm. But yeah, that energy field, I swear to goodness, it's about like 20, 30 feet out from her body. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they're not all like that, but she in particular is. Uh-huh. But she had a lot of trauma, trauma in her life, mm-hmm. that horse in particular. Mm-hmm. So that I think that made her much more sensitive. So uh, I think it's so interesting, the connection that you have with the animals, uh, because I find that's easier to do with humans everything that you're describing, like sensing the energy fields and Mm -hmm. feeling the trauma in that field uh, is much easier for me to access and 
perhaps with some animals, but horses, whoa, they just, yeah. they, I, I think I've got a story about horses where I mm-hmm. think of things like, oh, well, they're supposed to be these wild free animals and they must be resentful towards us because we've done this to them. I mean, this is just the story yeah. <laughs> I get going in my head. That when I'm interacting with them, I'm thinking, oh, they're probably just really wanting just to take a chunk out of me because (laughs) because of what we've done. Right. You know, Uh so I don't know. I've talked to a few people about it that totally don't see it that way at all. So I'd love to hear it. I I think you have a point because sometimes sometimes I've gone up to horses and they've had different things happen in their lives that aren't necessarily positive and they don't really want to have certain things done to them. They don't necessarily want to be ridden. Mm-hmm. And and even the handling, they want very, very gentle handling. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think you need to honor that. And it's just like anybody, a p- person, animal that's working through trauma, it's a process mm-hmm. and it takes time. And I, I think you, all the skills that I'm talking about with, with animals are all very much, we are all animals, humans mm-hmm. and horses. We are all the same it's just with horses and other animals you don't have the words that get in the in the in between mm-hmm. so you're more reading the body language and that kind of thing and so with horses um you're you're working through all of that and respecting uh where they're at and and not pushing them to do things that they're not ready to do or not willing to do that's that's where i come from when i work with animals mm. and um and watching their breathing you know you can feel their anxiety coming up just in their breath Mm-hmm. and then trying to just go, oh, okay, I see you, I hear you, I'm not going to push you past that threshold, let's bring that breathing right back down. And and so, no, I, I think you're right, sometimes they don't want things done with them, and we need to we need to watch for that. And that's that deep observing that I'm talking right. about. Uh-huh. Well, and this makes me think, Rochelle, when I think of like my relationship <clears throat> with my dog, one of the biggest things that when you were talking, um, uh, Sharon, about like when you're present and when you're not present, my number one way that I'm not present with my dog that would come up in training and stuff is when I have feelings mm-hmm. of guilt. Like um, for me, it's like feelings yeah. of guilt are the big one. And the second that I feel guilty, it, it totally gets in that in between in this connection. And for me, the disconnection. Yeah, it becomes <clears throat> a disconnection and then I can feel it. And then she feels shame because I'm feeling guilt and it becomes this like place where we're not, just like in in that connection and for me it's interesting you naming that Rochelle because that it comes up for me I'm like oh you should be in the wild I've like made you you know it's like for me I start to project all this um and I think some of it is real and some of it is not but this this Mm -hmm. dance like this question around our role as humans and I think the reason it comes up for me more with like let's say a dog than with my cats is because of this role of alpha like where she's looking to me to be the alpha and it makes me have to step into this uncomfortable place of, of um, grappling with domesticating animals and, and the implications yes. of that, the implications yes. yeah. of that, you know? So I don't know. Cause we've changed their lifestyles so dramatically from what they would be in the wild. Right. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's really hard to sometimes justify that, especially if they're in pain or if, you know, if they're suffering in some way. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's sort of a whole existential thing for me. Yes, with life, I mean, life in general. It's like, oh, what are we doing here? We're controlling everything. Humans have stepped in, and we've yes. <laughs> we've yeah. take we've now moved from just being with nature to doing over nature. So I yeah. guess that's the guilt I feel, Courtney. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to name it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe. 
Oh, you go. Oh, well, and what I was just going to say is, and it, but it does make me curious about this place. And I don't know this about horses, but I know I've heard a lot of talk about that cats and dogs, let's say, actually chose to move towards humans, like that, that, that it was actually their choice to start relating with us. And to, they, like, they saw it as part of their, um, their evolution was to actually join humans. And it makes me curious about that with horses. Like, I don't know. I know there's been horses there that wasn't the case, but just curious about their organic draw to relate with humans. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, like I say, I'm just speaking from my own experience. I'm not a trained expert in any of this, but um, I think horses, they were our prey uh-huh. for many, many years. Right. So I think, you know, some of that is <laughs> long-term, that guilt that you're feeling might be from our, our mm-hmm. initial beginnings with horses. Mm-hmm. We used them as we wanted to use them. Right. They didn't, I don't think they necessarily had a choice unless they were tamed from the time they were really young and they bonded with us uh-huh. and then moved forward with freedom and, and the ability to, to make choices to stay or to go. Um, and, and I mean, dogs, it's some of the reading that I've done. Dogs were drawn to humans because of the valuable food source <laughs> right? Yeah, that was always around the camp, <laughs> the outskirts of the camp. Yeah. Um, it was a very valuable food source, you know, and yeah. so they would come in and, and, and eat and that was what drew them in. It wasn't necessarily a relationship with humans. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, but it evolved over time. And uh-huh, uh-huh. cats, cats, that's curious. Cats are still so independent. Yes. yes. I don't think we've really domesticated cats. <laughs> yes. yes. I was, I was here. I was hearing there's a difference between an animal choosing to, because it's like, oh, you have food and this is helpful, you know, like an animal choosing mm-hmm. that as opposed to when we go out and we decide and like take them from the wild, that there's this difference exactly. in that relationship, you know, as opposed to, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And, and that's a really fascinating. Um, yeah. So then I, I'm curious, um, Sharon, for you, as you build that deeper connection with animals and you're like, I kind of think of this a little bit like rewilding. It's like how to really be connecting with them as actual beings and I'm because it feels like we owe that to them. Yeah, it feels like we owe them to owe to them to treat them as well as we possibly can. Mm, yeah, you know, because we have domesticated them because they don't have as much choice. It just feels like such a big responsibility. It is a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. It is. It's part of the reason why in my life I'm very, very particular about what animals I bring into my life, and once I do, I have them for their whole life. Yeah. You know, no matter what happens, I'm I'm there to support them through their journey and however short or however long that may be. Oh yeah. And I remember when your previous horse was dying and going through mm-hmm. all of that. You've just mm-hmm. been through so much with so many animals. Yeah, I've put down three horses in six years and um yeah, it's been really, really hard. And the grieving process from that takes quite a while to come out of and um yeah, I feel like I'm just starting to move out of that now, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty magical to live with Sharon um, at the t- that, mm-hmm. the time, like what during there were two horses on the land and to be there during that. And then also through the end of, of Ariel's life and to witness how devoted you were to her in all of this, all of the stages, like in all the parts and just like how deep that bond is mm. um, and just um, 
the devotion you had to her that was beyond her utility or what you saw was like, I really felt how you valued her being. Thanks, Courtney. Yeah. Well, you were amazing. Courtney came in and she would, she would do sessions with my, my mare who was in quite severe pain. And um, yeah, and I would see such a difference when you would do that. Mm. It was so, so amazing to watch and yeah. such a gift uh, it's, to her. Uh, so. it, working with horses is so cool, working with their nervous system, because we want to talk about Isn't the, it? the difference between working with humans and animals. And I've been blessed to get to work with a bunch of different kinds of animals. And, mm-hmm. and what the difference I would say is whereas the human can have a story that they can get caught up in the interview, it gets in the way of them noticing what's happening in their body. The animal is just like instantly there instantly in this experience with me. And it's so direct that work you can do with their nervous system because they're not getting caught up in the story about it. They're just, exactly they're just in it. And they're, and they're so grateful when you meet them on that nervous system level, because that's really where they are anyway. Like they're so aware of what they're feeling. And so it's, I feel like what makes me a good somatic therapist with people is the experiences I've had with animals where it's been such direct feedback you know yes Uh because you don't have all the words in the middle yeah you just all the defense and coping mechanisms exactly (laughs) yeah oh even when they're in severe anxiety or severe pain animals they just can be right there with you Mm -hmm. because I've been trained in some equine body or equine massage therapy and oh I just love doing it because it's it's once again it's like a biofeedback machine for for myself and it's just this amazing conversation between their body and and my hands and myself and and there's so much communication that happens without a single word being spoken that it's it's just incredible Mm -hmm. so when you're relating Sharon with animals are you and I'd be curious to hear this from you too Rochelle but are you is it your body is it felt sense is it also like actually hearing them in your mind like do you actually get images and things and ways they communicate Mm, kind of like an animal communicator Uh um what I feel is I have a very sensory experience in my body of what they're feeling in theirs Mm -hmm. and I, I can't really put words into it it's just like I've kind of I, I can just feel what's going on in their bodies. And then I just work with that. And I, I hadn't really acknowledged or recognized that that was what was, I was, what I was experiencing until just recently. Mm. I've just, yeah, I've just been kind of exploring that a little bit and kind of testing myself and going, okay, am I, what I feel is what I'm feeling what's actually happening or am I just putting my story on top of <laughs> yeah. what's going on with this horse? And yeah, it's been really cool. I'm just learning how that works for me right now, but yeah, I feel that in, in my body, but I'm, I'm also watching whatever animal I'm working with. I'm watching them so intensely uh, without intensely looking at them. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm checking. Yeah. I'm checking eyes. I'm checking ears. I'm checking mouth, breath, tightness, feet. Um, Yeah. I'm just, I'm constantly doing this kind of overall observation Mm -hmm. of their entire body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I imagine, and I imagine for them when they feel that just um, they feel met because you're feeling them. Like that's part of the attunement between you. Uh I hope. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my experience with uh, animal communication, uh, I wouldn't say it was like Sharon's where you feel what Mm -hmm. the animal's feeling. 
um, I had an instance where my cat, I could hear my cat shouting at me in my head. <laughs> like I could actually hear. Oh, wow. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. I actually heard words in my head and maybe my cat had tried for a very long time to communicate with me in the way that you're describing, but I wasn't receiving it. <laughs> so I got a really loud screaming voice in my head in the middle of the night. So, and then oh my I, goodness. that was, I didn't even know what that was. So it was the first time I've ever had an experience like that. And then I, you know, I went to, on the internet and said, is this even a thing? <laughs> is, are other people having these experiences? So, and are they? Yeah, apparently. So I, I, I learned more about it and how to practice uh, communicating with animals and what it was teaching was what you described, Sharon, is that you want to feel into what the animal may be feeling. Mm -hmm. So then I was able to huh. practice more from that place. But I'm such a heady person. It was clear that my mode of communicating was hearing words in my head. <laughs> right. But that's really cool. Mm -hmm. That's actually quite amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know yeah. it is. It sounds pretty out there, but I mean, it was it happened. So it was. Yeah, I had to acknowledge was a reality, at least for me and for the cat, yeah. I think. <laughs> well, there are people that do long distance animal communication. Uh huh. Well, and I wonder how that works for them. I always, I've always kind of wondered. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, I know for me with my animals, they speak to me often, like, there's the feeling like I can feel them. But also they speak to me in images and words, but it's not like, it's hard to like articulate it. Cause it's not, it's not, I know it is, isn't yeah, it? it's not, but it is images. Like they'll, it's like, they literally are like intentionally connecting with me to tell me something and I can feel it. Yes. You know, I feel yes. them. You feel that intensity coming from them yeah. aimed at you. It's like, yeah. I listen to me, I know. <laughs> try to tell you something here. Yeah. And, and, and they're very clear about it. And sometimes it's like an image and sometimes it's, it feels like it's like, like words and it's almost like they're figuring out how to communicate it to me um I'm a very emotion-based person so feeling their emotions is big but I know like I can be out away like from the home I can when I was in Peru last year I can hear them so strong and it's mm -hmm. but it's interesting to feel it's them choosing to communicate with me and how intentional yeah. they are about it and <laughs> um and the same goes they really are yeah I'd only also notice just living here on the mountain because you know the cats will go out and then you will go out and they'll all be out in the woods and I can literally feel how attuned they are to the home and then how it but uh, and also how much they get they become more wild like I can feel an, a yes, difference yeah. like when the cat like I can tell when one of my cats starts to kind of wander further and get more wild and they're not as connected to the home it's like Something feels different. It's like, okay, someone's getting a little bit more wild out there. And then I send little signals out. Remember, remember, like you're out in the this wild. This is your house. Yeah. I'm your person. Yeah. <laughs> We'd like you to come back. Yeah, totally, totally. And I can, it's like, there's kind of field of like connect. But I think that that's also, as a somatic therapist, I would imagine that is attunement. Like there's a relational attunement happening. Yes. That is also, I think, yeah creating a level of safety because um that communication kind of amplifies um awareness I guess of environment and safety and I don't know if you can speak to that but this is my sense of it yeah well when I we got our puppy uh I noticed immediately that 
my body was producing more oxytocin. Uh-huh. And when I would be out and away from the puppy, because we're, you know, really attachment parenting him. <laughs> that when I was away from him, <laughs> I would get these surges through my body, sort of like when I was a mom. Mm-hmm. And I and I felt like, oh, my baby might need to breastfeed and I'm not there to feed him or her. That it was that same like rush through my body of, oh, the puppy, the puppy. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's why puppies are so powerful. I know. Oh. His eyes, his, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. They bring out the mama. Yeah, totally. And like, that is so wise, right? Because that is like how that puppy is going to survive. Exactly. That's a survival instinct. Well, you know, we've even had really odd pets that people would consider very, very strange. Like we've had pet rats. And I know some people are like, oh, oh God, no, no. But you know what? From a pet store, clean rats. Um, and those rats, the one in particular, her name was Trixie von Kackle for the third. <laughs> Sorry, no, Penelope von Kackle for the third. And uh, she was incredibly, she wanted you to play with her. So she would stand at the, at the door of her cage and hang on to both of the bars. And she would stare at you oh. through the cage, stare you down until you'd look at her. And then she'd go zoom and she'd run around and then she'd like lure you closer. <laughs> she'd do it again she loved playing so she would bring you in so like even these animals that people don't really expect to be so relational and so, uh, so into connection they uh, are they there's are um there's a book that i just loved and probably many of our listeners would love it's called playing by heart by o fred donaldson and <laughs> it's about uh a man's experience playing with all sorts of life forms, mm. like animals, even down to, I think he said he's played with wolves and insects. And <laughs> so he's very, very relational. And wow. he has um, sort of a therapeutic practice that he brings to school where he plays with children. Uh-huh. And he calls it um, original play, which is non-competitive play and it's about rolling around like an animal on a mat with other humans or animals in a way that you're not dominating Mm -hmm. and because he believes that our culture is just riddled with a competition play and it's Mm -hmm. not real play Mm -hmm. so he appreciates that when you connect with animals that they haven't learned competition play they're just right there present with you Mm. engaging I don't know, though. I've seen some pretty serious, fierce competition in in animal groups, particularly monkeys in India. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Like between each other, Sharon, you mean? Oh, yeah. uh Oh, yeah. uh They're constantly stealing from each other. Chickens are like that, too. (laughs) Chickens are incredibly competitive. (laughs) So I I agree with you. But at the same time, I've also seen seen other examples. But... (laughs) Yeah, I think that's really cool what he's doing. Yeah, maybe that's think, with a human or something. Like when they're relating with humans. Yeah, mm-hmm. in this yeah, way, could be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you were talking about with being the alpha with a new, and I was. It just made me think about where I kind of come from when I'm dealing with animals, and it's it's not so much from a, an alpha place or a dominance place. Uh, it's more from uh, let's let's be partners. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And. And if you need me, I'm there for you. So if you get scared, Mm -hmm. I've got you. You're Mm -hmm. safe. Mm -hmm. Especially with horses that are like a prey animal. 
Um, they need to really feel safe with you and that you can be there. I, I call it like a gentle leader. Mm-hmm. Gentle leader, you know, uh-huh, I or like a that. worthy, a worthy leader. That's not. I'm not trying to ask too much of you, and I'm not trying to tell you what to do all the time. But we're going to do this together, uh-huh. and I'm going to help you, help you, so we can figure out how to do this together in a way oh, that's a positive experience for that you. Sounds like parenting to me. Mm-hmm. It so much of working with animals is like it's all it all crosses uh-huh. over to relationships with humans it's actually amazing that way what yeah so I bet working with animals helped you in your parenting Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's I never yeah you're right it probably has (laughs) and some of the observation skills from jobs that I've had in the past like waitressing for many many years Uh you get really good observing body language before you actually sit down with um, a, t- a group of people that comes into a restaurant as a server, you get really right. good at just like seeing and getting a glance and seeing, okay, what's that group going to need? Uh-huh. Um, and then you take those skills and you can transfer them to observing uh-huh. animals, uh-huh. Uh-huh. watching the body language. It all kind of crosses over. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> Being a waitress makes you a good <laughs> animal person. Who would have thought? <laughs> circling, circling back to that alpha thing, what, what I found, what was interesting is when I had my cats, um, mm-hmm. uh, we could be equal. Like there was something where I didn't have to, like they, they looked to me for things, but there was this kind yeah. of, and then I tried to do that with Anu and she was so confused at like this. <laughs> she was, I tried to just be her friend and she kept looking at me like, I need to know who's in charge here. Like just really like, you know, and so I like what you said there though, about gentle leadership. Cause what I learned there for me was to under, there's something about with animals understanding what they're bred for and what their wiring is for, you know, like, particularly a guardian dog like a new yeah exactly she's a guardian dog. and so what I started to understand is is there is this connection and attunement but also what is she bred for like what is she what are her particular needs you know I've had other kinds of dogs yeah and so it's I feel like this is what you're speaking to this like deeper connection is like really understanding how they work you know and being like what motivates them what makes uh them tick uh what 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 are they drawn to what makes them feel good and yeah exactly what are their instincts telling them to do so that you can work with their instincts instead of expecting them to not show any of those instinctive behaviors because oh boy does that ever get frustrating when you're trying to work with a, a dog in particular that has guardian guardian breeding and and they just they're they're different they they're very independent so smart yeah they like to make their own decisions yeah and they and they really need um one of the things I learned with her she needs to feel your life energy she needs to know that you can meet her life Mm -hmm. energy and so there's this like you know like I need to know that we can really like get and so but it's been so good for me to understand like sometimes I think in in the world of animals there can be expectations put on animals that don't fit with what who they who they are and how they're meant to be you know and so absolutely this mm-hmm. is where that yeah and I think that's the hmm? well it's just this no I want you go I was just gonna like that's why that deeper listening like that you're speaking to is so important yeah 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 and I think that's why you really have to be careful when you are getting an animal in terms of you need to really do your own research and figure out what your lifestyle is and what you want this this role the animal to fulfill in your life and and see if you can find whatever animal that may be maybe a chicken Uh (laughs) you never know but um 
so that you, you make you make a choice so that whatever animal comes into your life, it's going to work for them and for you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think just putting that time in is so valuable. Mm-hmm. What breed, what age, what athletic ability, you know, mm-hmm. and then and how does their mind work? So you already have a really good sense before you buy the, that animal. Mm-hmm. Sharon, you need to make a course in conscious pet uh-huh. selection. <laughs> oh, I'm still learning. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. I see, um, you know, we've been watching shows about horses like Buck. Have you watched that on Netflix? The mm. Buck? And it. Oh, is that the one with. Um, sorry, cut you off. Is that the one with uh, the guy from The Lord of the Rings? What's his name? Oh, I don't think so. Okay, this is a series. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it shows someone handling horses in a way that he doesn't break them in, in a traditional sense. Buck Branneman. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't break them in, in a traditional way. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the word? Am I using the right terminology? (laughs) Yeah. He's very gentle. He uses a lot of natural horsemanship and a lot of, uh, a lot of listening and a lot of the release is the reward. Hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he just seems to have exactly what you're describing is he's able to sense into each individual horse and what it is that they're needing and where all their little edges are. And he knows them so well within such a short period of time that he's able to meet them and they feel safe. And there's something about that that just warms my whole heart that, oh, if we all had that, every animal, every human, when we were being raised, Mm. uh, what a different world it would be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If we really see each other and we really meet each other where we're at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm sure finding it so healing with my animals to notice because their needs they've been attuned with and because their needs have been met so well, how they don't even think there's not even a part of them that worries that they won't be. And it's so healing to watch how they just ask for what they need. They just, you know, they just it like so clearly and there's and it's like so healing to watch like how natural that is when they feel respected, you know, it's been really yeah. healing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you see the opposite in horses that have been, that have come out of abusive situations. Uh-huh. Um, you can see their in their, if you look in their eyes, you almost can see the, the wheels turning. They're thinking, they're thinking, they're thinking, they're thinking, should I try this? Should I try that? What should I do here? What, 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 what is she, what's she asking? What, what, uh, and they almost get overwhelmed in about the first two seconds of asking something. And so whenever I'm working with a horse in particular, especially a nervous horse or a nervous dog, um, I just keep saying to myself in my own mind, it's easy. Mm. All I want you to do is slow down, relax and breathe. Because if you can get that relaxation and that breath, then you get their trust. Once you've got trust, then you can softly ask for so many different things, and they're 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 slowed down enough, and they're thinking instead of reacting and respond. They're react. They're not reacting anymore. They're Mm -hmm. responding. Then you can you can you can do incredible things together as a team. Mm -hmm. But first, you have to have that relaxation and breath and trust and slowness. Oh, so. that feels good even right now, just for us to do that together. <laughs> Take a <laughs> breath. I'm really sinking into it. <laughs> Which blows me away when I see those guys like you're talking about, Rochelle, Buck Branham, Branneman, I think is his name, how he can do all of that so quickly. Yeah. I take a lot 
a, t- a lot of time to work through that process. Um, and it blows my mind that he can do that. And sometimes it's three days or yeah. a week and they've got the horse going so, so well. Yeah. But they're masters. Those like he's a master. Yeah, truly. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Makes me want to keep learning. Mm-hmm. More and more. <laughs> so inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you might have you might have some more little furry friends to work with. Hey, Courtney. <laughs> yes. Yes, my dog, <laughs> we were pretty sure she's pregnant and it's really yeah, it'll be really sweet to watch their of course I'm a nervous system nerd because I work with the nervous system and so I'm like so fascinated to just be tuning into how life is developing in her and then just to see to get to witness it right from the beginning. I think is going to oh, be, that's going to be so amazing. Yeah. You know, like right from the beginning and to like be the outer container that holds space for that. I'm actually super excited mm-hmm. and, um, uh, yeah. yeah. And really, um, curious about how to do that in a more conscious way, like how to hold that space. Like, Oh, there's these little puppies mm-hmm. nervous systems are developing, like their safety in the world and their, you know, their needs being met and how to hold that space of of mm-hmm. so that they actually come into the world with the breath and the slowness and the space you know yeah. uh-huh oh you're so lucky that the, just to be able to be there for that first little bit I mean well I've always wanted to be at the birth of an animal and it's just never worked out I've missed horse births oh. and dogs <laughs> never actually I've been at the birth of babies uh-huh. um, he, human babies but never never seen a dog or a kitty or anything born uh-huh. so oh you're lucky going to be amazing you'll have yeah. to come you'll have to come and be there <laughs> <laughs> two in the morning yes okay Sharon <laughs> <laughs> here's your chance <laughs> oh well, thank you you guys I feel like that might be a natural ending what do you think yeah 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 it, felt yeah, it was so nice to talk to you guys yeah you so much for asking me to do this uh-huh yeah thank you so much for coming i feel like i just learned a ton <laughs> yeah. me too yeah <laughs> one of the things sharon that i feel like you do so well too just to reflect the